Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers the season three finale, parts 17 and 18, In the Weeds. We're going to talk about the character statistics. Now we've reached the end of the series. Uh, how did these characters kind of fare in terms of the, uh, you know, the the their appearances over the course of season three and who's the top 10 in these episodes. I, part 18 doesn't even really have 10 characters uh, that we can consider. So, uh, you know, pretty easy to uh, talk about them, but we'll we'll rank who gets the most screen time there. And part 17, more complicated, a lot of characters on screen. So let's jump right into that. And of course, at the end, we'll get into Coffee, Pie, and Donuts, what little or mixed version of that there is. The order of events is what we see in 1989, an alternate universe, or is it like the new version of that story? Or is it something else? Is it actually continuous with what we see in Firewalk With Me? You know, I had the idea that maybe Laura runs away and the screaming that Cooper hears is more symbolic than an actual her being sucked out. That's my preferred reading. When I do my character study, I might even write it that way when I'm summarizing her story, but I'll admit that's kind of out on a limb. Like, I think they intended a little more literally than that. Even so, though, the question of, like, alternate reality or new version. I think it has to be an idea of branching realities where there's still a reality out there where the ending of Firewalk With Me takes place because otherwise, you know, it's the grandfather paradox, they call it. Cooper wouldn't have been able to go back in time to save her if she hadn't died in the first place. So there has to be kind of a back to the future conception of uh, time travel where you have different alternate realities that you're coming from or going to or whatever. Okay, and uh, Sunday, October 2nd is when everything else in part 17 takes place I think although Sarah's thing could be anytime it could be I mean if you want to get really kind of trippy with the time it, it could be uh like a week earlier and somehow where it happens in time doesn't matter in terms of how it affects the past or that alternate timeline I don't know it doesn't seem like it exists in a specific time frame Sarah's stuff but also it doesn't exist outside of time the way like the Audrey or Roadhouse stuff potentially does it just it, it's purposefully ambiguous. Almost all of part 18, I think, takes place in some other timeline completely, just flat out. Not like a dream space like Audrey or whatever, just in another realm. I don't even, I wouldn't even bother to find out. And of course, we don't know what year it is at the end, so how could we even really know what day it is? And uh, the only exception in part 18 is the Vegas sequence, which I would just say, sure, it takes place on Monday, October 3rd, the next morning after all the stuff sort of happens in uh, Twin Peaks on Sunday. The order of events got more confusing as it went along, and in the end, it's both more straightforward and way more confusing than anything else that was any other episode. The characters introduced in this episode are Carrie Page, Christy the Waitress, the Cowboys in the Diner, and Alice Tremond. The Roadhouse singer returns 17 entries after her last appearance in Firewalk with me where she performed Questions in a World of Blue as a crying Laura entered the roadhouse. Pete Martell returns 17 entries after his last appearance in The Missing Pieces, explaining how wood is measured to Del Mibler and Josie Packard. We also reprise previous footage of Leo Johnson, Renette Plasky, and Jacques Renault from Firewalk With Me, although a few seconds appear to be alternate or expanded takes, and we completely reprise footage of Catherine Martell and Josie Packard. Who's returning to the show after four or more episodes of absence? Ben Horn is back five episodes after his last appearance in Part 12, when Frank told him about Richard's crime and he wistfully recalled a bicycle given to him by his father. Major Garland Briggs is back eight episodes after his last appearance in Part 9, when the FBI arrived in Buckhorn. 
Now, of course, we see his head. Killer Bob is back nine episodes after his last appearance in Part 8. Haven't seen him for half the series. That was when a bubble with his face in it was removed from Cooper and also propelled from the experiment inside of the atomic cloud. The evolution of the arm returns 11 episodes after its last appearance in Part 7, where it popped up from the sidewalk to tell Cooper to squeeze off Ike the Spike's hand. And uh, finally, we'll save him for last. Very significant character who we've just hardly seen in the return. Leland Palmer, 16 entries after his last appearance in Part 2, from a slightly different angle. For the ranking of characters, as we did with Parts 1 and 2, we're going to separate it out and look at it by each episode, which shows some interesting things. For Part 17, numbers 9 and 10 are a tie between Tammy and Albert, since they share all their scenes, with about six minutes. He electrocuted himself by sticking a fork in a wall socket. That's strange even for Cooper. Number eight is Frank with about six minutes. No. It's not. Number seven is Freddy with about seven minutes. Let me show you destiny. Number six is Andy with about seven minutes. I've got to get you all upstairs. Number five is Lucy with about seven minutes. I understand cellular phones now. Number four is Gordon with about nine minutes. Not where it counts, buddy. Number three is Diane with about ten minutes. Cooper. One and only. Six of those minutes as NATO. Number two is the spirits with 11 minutes. Fire, walk with me. And number one is Cooper with about 38 minutes. We're going home. 11 of those minutes are as Mr. C. This is Cooper's second biggest episode. It's just barely like a minute or a few seconds ahead of uh, episode eight in uh, season two. Um, well, the season two premiere, episode eight of the whole series. That's like a double episode. And as you'll recall, the pilot, which is the only other double episode, uh, Cooper doesn't appear until like halfway through the episode. So that's his biggest episode of seasons one and two. And he appears more in part 17 than he did in that. So this is just, this finale is really Cooper heavy. For part 18, number 10, we have a tie between Sonny Jim and Janie E with about less than 30 seconds. Dougie! Dad? Dad? Dad! And there's no characters, um, at least of characters I've tabulated for, there's no characters lower than them. There are only about 10 or 11 characters in part 18. Number nine is Leland with less than a minute. Fine. This is his number one for the return. He really didn't get seen much in this series. Number eight is Alice with about two minutes. Alice. Alice Tremond. Number seven are the Cowboys with about three minutes. Get the fuck out of that booth. Number six is the, uh, well, all of the spirits with about three minutes. Is it the story of the little girl who lived down the lane? So I think we see the one-armed man, the evolution of the arm. And that might be it for this episode. Number five is Christy with about five minutes. It's our die off. Actually, it's our third die off. Number four is Laura with about five minutes. One minute uh, on screen, you know, actually shown. So Laura, I always kind of tabulate not just when she's on screen, but when she's like relevant. So when people are talking about her, things like that, since that's so much of her character. Basically, the only time I figured she's on screen in this episode is the end credits, 
because uh, the other stuff in the Red Room is just a repeat of what we saw in part two. The end credits is at least, it's the same thing, but it's like a different shot of it. It's in slow motion, so it's not just a repeat of already existing footage. And obviously, if you're wondering how Laura could only have five minutes in this episode, I counted her separate as Carrie. This is all from my character uh, study series, and I decided to give Carrie Page her own entry outside of Laura Palmer, which was probably controversial, but felt uh, right to me, at least at this time. Number three is Diane with about uh, 15 minutes. Just think about it, Cooper. Including the letter that is read, and the reason I include that is because she was... It's, it's a nice, neat reversal of the tape recorder motif in seasons one and two, where Cooper talks to her and she's off screen, and this, she's talking to him from off screen. So it's kind of a perfect conclusion for her character. This is the first time that she is really kind of in control of that communication with Cooper. And this is her number one episode. Number two is Carrie with about 20 minutes. In those days, I was too young to know any better. And number one is Cooper with about 52 minutes. It's really me, Diane. Only 12 seconds of which are as Mr. C. This is obviously his number one episode in the entire series, far more than he was in Firewalk with me as well, or The Missing Pieces. This is just the unit of Twin Peaks that contains by far the most Cooper. Not just proportionally, but in terms of the sheer numbers. In fact, he's only off screen for less than a minute. The reason I only counted it as 52 minutes is, again, there's some repeat footage of him walking through the woods with Laura, at the beginning, which we already saw. It's the same exact footage we saw in part 17. Um, him with Laura whispering in his ear, and then she disappears. That's the same exact footage we saw in part two. So I didn't count that stuff, but even so, he's still just wall-to-wall -wall in this episode. And I already mentioned the only times we don't see him. In both cases, you know, women kind of on their own with him just off screen. Those are the only times that we don't see him in this episode at all. In part 17... Uh, we have the Spirit's fourth time topping the non-Cooper Ensemble. And the last time was Part 8 when they were number one by a long shot, including over Cooper in that case. In Part 18, we have Carrie Page's only time topping the non-Cooper Ensemble. Of course, it's a first appearance, too, so when else could she have done it? But if we consider her as a manifestation of Lara, this is still Lara's first time in the return being in that uh, second spot. Now that said, uh, in the original series, I used to consider her, or at least the invocation of her via dialogue or image, to be one of the three leads of the original series, alongside Cooper and Harry, and the other characters were, you know, supporting. In that sense, uh, if we still want to consider Lara, and, you know, Carrie as Lara, and Lara as, like, one of the leads of Twin Peaks, the top supporting cast member in this episode would actually be Diane. It would be her second time in that spot. Depends how you want to consider that, I guess. In terms of successive episodes with prominent screen time, who's on a hot streak? Part 17 and 18 are Cooper's third and fourth episodes in a row with over five minutes. Oh, ridiculously more than five minutes, by the way, in both of these. He's never had this much screen time. Uh, as, well, especially in the latter one, Part 18. Uh, that makes up for his unusual absences in parts 12 and 14, uh, where he was like on screen for a few seconds, I think. These are Diane's second and third episodes in a row with over five minutes, uh, including her time as NATO in part 17. And part 17 is Gordon's second in a row to pass this threshold, where he's over five minutes of screen time. So 16 and 17 together. So quite a few characters carrying a streak through here at the end, all of them really central uh, certainly Gordon in the sense that he's played by David Lynch, but also that he's kind of the lead detective in this whole series. And uh, Diane, obviously, Cooper, 
um, all of them uh, kind of a, a linking thread between 16, 17, and 18, basically. For Coffee Pie and Donuts, Cooper asks for coffee on his way to Twin Peaks. There's a coffee mug on Frank's desk. Uh, Catherine may be drinking tea when we do the flashback to the or the the alternate version of the pilot, although it could be tea. I think it's got a little spoon, looks sort of like a teacup. She seems maybe like more of a tea drinker. I mean, you could definitely see Catherine spilling the tea. Cooper has coffee at uh, Judy's, doesn't seem to enjoy it too much, and the other customers seem to have a uh, their own coffee, but interestingly, they're in different mugs. I noticed that. I don't know what that means. That's my last coffee observation for Twin Peaks. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow's episode will be the final episode of Lost in Twin Peaks uh, in terms of like the episode chronology, of course. Um, you know, as mentioned... For the people listening to this when it first comes out in 2023, I still haven't released the Season 2 coverage. I'm hoping to get that onto the feed, get it in an order where, you know, future listeners will just be able to scroll chronologically and see every episode. They won't, they won't even know that these were released out of order, but uh, they were. So just a note to both sets of listeners there. But tomorrow we're going to cover the Season 3, Part 17 and 18 archives. Uh, sampling some pieces that I'd written or uh, talked about on podcasts or created in video essays to discuss this grand finale of all Twin Peaks. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and you can support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Music